the Born to Be Mild podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Born to Be Mild. The date is September 13th and I am your host, Ron Cabuno. This episode is dedicated to the eternal memory of my uncle, Bill Sweeney, who passed away late last week after suffering from ALS for the past couple of years and having contracted COVID just a couple weeks ago. He will always live on in my heart as the funny, kind, and quick-witted guy that could make even the dullest family gathering an enjoyable experience. The man was deeply devoted to his country, having earned two bronze stars in his lifetime. The first after being drafted to serve in Vietnam War as a helicopter pilot. And the second, and get this, at the age of 60, with rare consent from a Pentagon official to fly Blackhawks in Iraq. Voluntarily, mind you, at the age of 60. I know that he was a lifelong Republican, and while his illness kept me from asking what he thought about the finer points of the Trump presidency in recent years, I will rest assured that his adherence to conservative principles would have led him to discuss differences in the issues with me in a dignified and respectful manner, something that we are sorely lacking in today's political exchanges. Rest in peace, Uncle Bill. You are a hell of a guy, and you will be sorely missed. And now, a few words on the news. Last week, wildfires raged on through the western United States, burning millions of acres throughout Oregon, Washington, and California, an expanse roughly equivalent to the states of Connecticut and Rhode Island combined. If you've seen them, the photos from San Francisco and other areas showed the sky a dark and hazy orange all day long, with cars' headlights still being needed at 10 in the morning. Now, the fires are nothing new. But what is an additional threat are the unusual amount of high winds that are spreading and exacerbating this deadly situation. Unfortunately, not much is being said about this devastation coming from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, I'm probably guessing because most of these states aren't Trump-friendly or possible swing states in this year's election. Now, call me cynical. But after hearing about Jared Kushner's plan not to do a damn thing about coronavirus at the outset because the outbreaks were all occurring in Democratic states, it would be hard to believe that this isn't the case. And speaking of deliberately horrific responses to impending emergencies, reporter Bob Woodward has released his second book on the Clown Prince's time in office. Taken from 18 exclusive interviews with the Donald, Woodward paints a truly damning picture of a man who will stop at nothing to protect his chances at re-election. One of the biggest bombshells that in early February, Trump could be heard admitting that this coronavirus was not only airborne, but five times more deadly than the average flu, which in case you haven't been paying attention, is the exact opposite of how he framed it when addressing the country publicly. What's even worse is that when confronted with the reporting, he doubled down on his negligence saying that he was only doing it because it's his job to be the nation's cheerleader. He said he didn't want to cause Americans to panic. So I guess he considers the nightmarish scenarios he painted of Central American refugees coming to storm our borders and suck the souls of our precious white babies to be about as relaxing as a dip in a hot tub. And while the Atlantic article from last week showed him to be the craven megalomaniac that he truly is, That story was seemingly easily dismissed by his followers because it wasn't a first-hand account. Unsurprisingly, now that his words and evil actions have been caught on tape, that seems to not matter either. In sports ball news, the Big Ten Conference had a meeting of its school's presidents on Sunday debating whether or not to reinstate this year's football season. Yeah, you know, you can't let the Donald call you out publicly, and not to mention let those good old boys down south have all the fun and hog all the revenue this year. Now, no vote was taken at the meeting, but one is expected in the next few days. In the NBA, LeBron and the Lakers cruise past the Heat in their series to enter the Western Conference Finals. Other games were most likely played, and there were probably winners and losers in each one of them, but I wasn't paying much attention 
mainly because I was totally blindsided by an NFL season I forgot was even going to take place, and it came upon us in a hurry. There were hardly any training camps this year, and there was a fully canceled preseason, so the year basically started out of thin air. Somehow, out of over 44,000 COVID tests given and no mandatory bubble in place to keep the players, coaches, and staff safe, they managed to only have eight positive tests come back, and only one of them was for a player. I'm definitely not saying that's how the rest of the season is going to go. You know, when people start spitting, breathing, yelling on each other in the field of play. But it's a promising start, and seeing these behemoths battle it out on the gridiron is a welcome distraction. Unless, of course, like myself, you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns. There's got to be some people already saying, just wait till next year, after the trouncing they took on Sunday in their opener against the Ravens. The Browns have the terrible distinction of having the longest streak of losses on opening day, going back to 2004. And the game was full of real Brownsy type idiocracy. Like, for instance, a Baker Mayfield interception on the very first possession of the game. The third coach in three years, Kevin Stefanski, trying a fake punt from their own 30 on the very next possession and failing miserably. And also, there was a third and 41 in there somewhere, and in the end, they were only able to score six measly points to the Ravens' 1,000. But enough about that hot mess, there will be plenty more NFL talk in the third segment of today's show when I invite my old friend Tony Andruzzi in for a layman's preview of this year's season. But first, a conversation I recorded with my astute and talented cousin Matt Onesti. Matt is a comedian who has been having to keep a low profile during the pandemic, which means he's had plenty of time to keep up with politics. We get into the Woodward interviews, arguing with family members on Facebook, and much, much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Matt. All right, joining us for this week's interview, it is the comedian, the cousin by third marriage, <laughs> and dear friend of the show, Matt Onesti. Yes. Matt, thank you for coming on the show, Thank buddy. you for having me on here, and thank you for finally ironing out how we're related, because I just could not put that family tree together for the life of me. No worries, there are many branches involved. <laughs> there are so many branches in our family, it's the most confusing thing to ever happen. We got cousins, we got step cousins, we got like tree branches and trunks, like there's multi there's like multiple trees that are connected through a bridge, I just don't get it. Just call us a smoothie, because we are blended. <laughs> oh my god, I am so ready to be mild right now. <laughs> Alright, so, so did you take your mild medication before I, you, you came on? I actually bought a uh, pack of black and milds that I'm going to be smoking throughout this entire podcast. Wow. And I have a bottle of mild Tabasco sauce um, <laughs> that I'm going to be putting on the wood tip. It does not get any more mild yeah. than that. So I'm ready to be as mild as I possibly can be for you today. Mid-level and mainstream, here we go. <laughs> um, so this time last year, I actually had just got done doing my very first stand-up spot. And it was at an open mic. Um, and it was actually at a military veterans bar that you hit me to. Uh, so I didn't exactly prepare for my audience that night. Yes, yes. The number one rule of comedy is know your audience. Yeah, shit fell flat. But that was okay because I was like totally by myself. Like you had another engagement that you were, I think, out of town for. And then uh, Brittany had to stay home. She couldn't even come watch me because she was with our kid. And someone had to stay home with the baby. But um, I definitely, you know, started digging the scene in Youngstown, and I got to give you credit because you are definitely the impetus for me getting into checking it all out. Well, I'm glad I could uh, infect another asshole to become a comedian. That's, um, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. This is this is like my new religion. I'm just going around trying to convince people to follow the light of comedy. Proselytize. Make sure that they can spread their assholiness 
uh, far and wide. Um, I want you telling dick jokes in every VA this side of the East Coast. <laughs> That's my goal for you and every other comedian I can bless. They will eat it up. Don't tell their wives. Um, so, <laughs> what's it's been so up? so mild. Uh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing at all, actually. Um, just kind of living in solitary confinement for the past, uh, what is it now, six months, seven months? I don't know. I Eight thought months? Just, uh, yeah, so it's still April. Whatever. Yeah, it's, I think it just happened. Uh, about a week ago, we just found out about. No, I mean honestly, that I, I really haven't done anything. It's been a weird year. Um, I feel like I uh, I recorded I recorded my special last year in October. Um, got that most of the way done for you know because we did it as a school project, um, and then shit, New Year's happened and the world fell apart. Right, I and mean, like it's like you took a month off and you didn't realize that was when you had to literally get everything. Seriously, <laughs> I after I after we recorded that, I remember saying to Harrison uh, Poole, the director on it, one of my best friends, I was like, "Yeah, dude, I'm just gonna take the next like month or two off, like to finish school, and then after we're done with school, like I'm just gonna chill from like December and January, and maybe a little bit of February if I'm feeling frisky." <laughs> And, and maybe the rest of the fucking year. And now it's like, fuck, nine months later, I don't even have a kid to show for. It's bullshit. That is kind of bullshit. Um, but, like, so you've kind of had to stay indoors more than others. You are amongst the immunocompromised yes, among us, right? Yes, I am a part of the vulnerable population. Um, I know it's very hard to tell because we are through uh, audio waves right now, but I am very disabled. I'm in a wheelchair. Uh, for your listeners, I have spinal muscular atrophy. Uh, it means my lungs, like my muscles are jacked. They, <laughs> my, so just the quick, like this is the medical terminology. And um, not like in a ripped fuel No, way. not ripped fuel, but this is how my doctor described me. He said, listen, you're, the motor neurons in your brain, they just don't want to talk to your muscles. They hate them. There's something wrong with them, so they're not building muscles. So my lungs are weak as shit. So COVID is like my kryptonite at this point. No doubt. So you got to be living like a bubble boy. Oh, I'm living like a bubble boy. I haven't really, um, I haven't really gone out. My I changed barbers. Um, I switched to a barber. She has an autoimmune deficiency, and I specifically am going to her because I know she'll also be being careful. Right, right. Um, you got to be able to eye up the careful ones. Yeah, so it's like I'm only just patronizing people with autoimmune deficiencies, I guess. <laughs> That's a really cool uh, group to stay in. Yeah, it's like a weird niche group that no one has ever been paying attention to. <laughs> Um, but I feel like I've cracked the market on it. So, I mean, yeah, like that's... No doubt. Like my dentist has lupus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's really it. I've just been, um, you know, I've just been kind of doing that. I mean, yeah, the highlight of my last couple months, I got my hair cut twice. So, what have you been doing without uh, being able to go, uh, you know, do do your stand-up stuff? Like, Oh, God, we've just been talking about it the past 20 minutes. Pretty much just smoking dope. Uh, right, no, right, but right. Honestly... I mean, are you itching to get back out there? I am very... I, I am very ready to get back up on stage. Um, it's weird. My writing habits have changed dramatically during this whole pandemic. Um, I feel like I used to be writing all the time because I was getting up on stage, you know, pretty, uh, you know, once or once a week, pretty much on average. That's some good um, reps for around uh, here for the amount of stage time that's we're even available. Doing, that's good reps. Leading up to the special, leading up to recording the special, I was getting up a lot just to get myself like in that, you know, headspace. But within doing that, I always noticed. Um, and this is the one thing I'm pissed I missed out on this summer. Um, I would run the Shaker shows at Shaker's Bar and Grill in Liberty. I would run the contest. I would run, you know, our open mic contest. Um, we yeah, would so do, you were like, hosting. So you were getting little yeah. snippets of, of hosting. Taste. Hosting is one of my favorites. So, like, I look forward to the summers because the summers are when I'm hosting more often. 
And I love hosting because it forces me to be a better writer every single week. Because you can't, I, you got to be so quick with it because you're just coming in between people and shit has to land like in a hurry. So I mean, are you sharpening your wit by arguing with family members on Facebook? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I at least well now I will say this: I I um, did step away from Facebook for um, for that exact reason recently. Uh, yeah, so I put something up. Uh, I'm not going to say the word that I was going to use, but yesterday for 9-11, I kind of, I broke my two-week hiatus because I wanted to write something that dealt with, um, like a comparison in our attitudes of dealing with COVID deaths as a, uh, you know, compared to how we dealt with 9-11 deaths. So I did break my hiatus yesterday, but I I took that hiatus um, because pretty consistently I was finding myself in uh, just arguments with with strangers on WFMJ's website. <laughs> yes. um, That's my favorite place. Oh my god! It is so, like I am convinced ninety five percent of those people are just like one guy working multiple accounts. Yeah, just yeah. like trolling the shit out of. Society. It would be nice to know if it was a Russian bot, but it's probably just a Slovenian guy on the west side. <laughs> just some Slovenian guy getting drunk before he goes to the club, <laughs> fucking with Americans in Youngstown. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 rough out there, but you know, I it takes me no time at all to call a complete stranger a moron. <laughs> well, it's hard not to, especially when they're saying dumb stuff on the internet. They're Everything is a democratic hoax. Everything is everything is fake. Every nothing is nothing is reality except for what fits their the narrative. narrative. Yeah, and that's it's crazy, and I, I and it's and it's not just strangers. It's not just faceless strangers on the internet. Um, because if it was, I don't think I would be as upset by it. But I think it's seeing friends, people Pe- you know, fall yeah. into that well. People I know who are who I who I've always thought of as decent humans. Isn't it so um, disappointing? Oh my god, it is the most frustrating thing because you wonder, have they always been like this? Or is this a product of the new cult of personality that uh has been created over the past, you know, ten years or so? Yeah, like sure, like are they that susceptible to coercion, like what was their QVC account like maybe 15 <laughs> years ago? Like, how much shit were they buying that late at night? Uh, yeah, it's the thing. Just go back to watching QVC. You know, get off of OANNN. Stop stop reading the fucking uh, Blue Lives Matter fucking dirt rag, whatever, the, whatever that is. Just go back to buying fucking knives off of QVC and then kill yourself. No, right, don't do exactly. that. I'm I sorry. Mean, that really was good rude. Knives, uh, they, oh my god! But they are actually though for QVC. Like they're solid. They have solid products, and <laughs> you know, welcome Ronnie, because now you're sponsored by QVC. That's QVC. So great. Buy our knives and kill yourself. Uh, <laughs> that's their new slogan. One and then the other. We don't care if you pay that credit card <laughs> bill. We already we already got our scratch. Just make sure it's on record. But no, dude, it's it's bullshit. Like. You see, Frank. I mean, um, I, you, you, and I have been dealing with one of the same family members. Um, That's correct. On Facebook, who is who up to a point until I think he blocked you and finally blocked me <laughs> after his after his latest outburst. Like a I month just couldn't ago. stop giving him the business, man. Well, I always thought that was the funniest thing because I I try not to troll back. I I know it's kind of counterproductive as a comedian to not want to troll back but i was always like i just don't want to waste my time with these idiots but ronnie watching you troll him just relentlessly (laughs) over like a period of a couple of weeks was just so beautiful because it wasn't even bad you weren't even like there were never real answers. I was yeah. just bringing the facts here, and I was just poking holes in the paper-thin arguments that they had. And it's all paper. It's all based on speculation or emotion or, like, some... Or the confounding, like, of two different things. Like Oh, my what, God, that's what they it, do. Like, 
not being able to stay on topic is the calling card of a Trump supporter. Yeah, well, that's the logical fallacy of a red herring. Um, the jingling keys that you dangle uh, over the head of the person to hope that they forget about what you're actually arguing about. It yeah. is. It is. It's it's the easiest one of all the logical fallacies. And then and, you mix in a little bit of gaslighting where you oh, just make somebody stop and say, wait a second, I thought I was just on planet Earth. Where the fuck did you get that from? Um, and pepper in some just pepper in some deep-seated racism that they have yet to admit is within them. And, and <laughs> you have 2020. And there you, you have go. This that is entire it. Very year. rancid nutshell. It's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous how this is going on and and I, I what you said earlier I, I think is making a lot more sense is these people are very susceptible to propaganda they're very susceptible to this misinformation that is just pushing <laughs> yeah. them down this deep dark hole that they don't quite understand what is on the other side and it's it's actually the same reason people gravitate towards Trump because there are so many different streams that lead into this river of hate. Yeah. So you can pick whichever tributary fits your personality yeah. best, and then that's the one that you canoe right down into. Once these people, once these people get stuck in their way, because um, I know we're going to be talking about the Woodward stuff a little bit later. Um, if you watch nothing but Fox News or watch nothing but OANN or, you know, as we brought up hilariously, if you click on a fucking article that says Blue Lives Matter and think that that's actual journalism, you're never going to see what's actually happening. You're never going to understand what facts are, what reality is, and, and it's – I don't know how to combat that. I don't know what you do to people because you tell people, you say, listen – that's actually fake news. And they'll go, no, you're fake news. And then you just get stuck shouting your fake news, no, you're fake news, back at each other for hours until you stop talking to them for the rest of your life. Speaking of Woodward, let's get to that because have you actually gotten to see the side of uh, that Fox News is portraying about this? Or? Yeah. I watched Hannity the day of. Did you really? I was, yeah, I was. I literally. I never put wrestling on pause. Um, I I was. It was Wednesday night. Is my AEW night, and I was so fascinated by how they would handle something so cut and dry that I had to turn on Hannity, and I lasted about three minutes. Hannity. That form of misrepresentation and lying, it's dangerous. It's so dangerous because it's dealing in reality, but reframing it. You're reframing the narrative for something that is malicious, for something that you want it to be. So you're not pulling it out of your ass. You're not pulling it out of thin air most of the time. You're basing it in something. And I'm but saying it's all never this the whole story. Because when I turned on Hannity after. You know, I listened to the Woodward tape. Obviously, it was the first thing I did. I, I, you know, I got out of the shower and saw I had a news alert and was like, holy shit, what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, is, is Woodward about to get another president's tattoo on his face? Um, Can you imagine how stupid you have to be to sit down with the, the reporter from Watergate yeah. for 18 interviews? Yeah, this man knows... This man is is just, and that, there's so much so much came out of this tape. So much more than just COVID are coming out of these tapes. Yeah. Um, but I listened to it in the morning, and or I listened to it when it came out, and later on in the day, or later on at night when Hannity came on, he did something gross. He cut off the beginning and the end of the tape. Where he tells uh, Woodward it's five to one more dangerous than the flu. That was mm-hmm. the tape they chose. But he cut off that part at the end. So all you heard Trump say was, oh, Bob, you don't know. It's it's airborne. It's hard to control airborne. You know, you know, if it's touch, it's one thing. But, you know, if it's if it's airborne, you can't control it. And that was all you heard. So in that context, all you think is, oh, well, Trump's aware of it, you know, but he doesn't quite know how strong. He he knows, you know, 
Because you're not hearing him say how strong it is. But you know the other dirty thing that Hannity pulled? He never once mentioned that it was recorded on February 7th. And that is the main part of the story. That is the juiciest part of those tapes that on February 7th, Trump was acknowledging at any capacity, I don't care how fucking chopped up the tape was, the idea that he's even mentioning it in that light to Bob Woodward on February 7th. That early. Shows, is, I mean, like, the whole thing is all about the timeline. Yep. And you look at what he does in private versus what he does in public, and they're completely opposite. Yeah. So that's how you know he knows better, and he's still... Yeah. And, that's and, why it's and then, so and then, to have the gall to say that not only was he doing it to make sure that people didn't get riled up, because we obviously oh, saw that shit. he wanted to make sure yes. nobody got riled up when he was putting nightmarish thoughts of a caravan full of Mexicans coming in well, to rape, loot, and pillage the entire suburban America. But like, <laughs> not. A, but then he even doubled down even farther this week, comparing himself to Churchill. I don't know if you saw that. I was that from that ABC interview. Yeah. So yeah. he said, you know, when World War Two was going on, Churchill said, you know, you got to keep calm and carry on, which actually apparently wasn't even something that they said during the war. It got popular after the war. Yeah. But what what what, what uh, Churchill did say was that all I can bring you right now is news of like blood, sweat, and toil. Essentially saying, yes, we have to keep our steely resolve, but it's going to be a tough fight, and here are the facts. Like, these Nazis are a problem. This coronavirus is a problem. That's not what we were hearing from the president. He said it's going to go away and that we should be filling the pews by Easter. (laughs) And so you had the Atlantic article that was corroborated quotes from reliable sources yeah. talking about how he's calling troops losers and suckers. Oh yeah. And nobody wanted to believe that because it <laughs> wasn't from the horse the jackass's mouth itself. Yeah. And then you get this shit on tape and it still doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He could he the the man and this is this is one of the saddest things because it's it's precedent. Did you watch any of the impeachment trials when they happened? Like when they went to the um Yeah. So do you remember Trump's lawyer making the argument that if the president makes a decision, regardless of what that decision is, it is legal? And then he went back and used Trump's, if Trump, he remember when he said, if Trump shot somebody, you know, he said, hypothetically, if Trump had to shoot somebody, it would be justified because he is the president, because he would know best. And because this son of a bitch got acquitted, or whatever, they threw it the fuck out, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, that's legal, I mean, that's precedent, That and it's the God's honest fucking truth now. No, it is, this... it is, and William Barr is essentially one of the worst actors in American history, oh, and yeah. he is unraveling democracy as fast as he can, and Trump made a really solid pick having him in there, because... All he knew was that he wanted to give the presidency and the executive office as much broad authority to do whatever they needed to under under that, you know, uh, title as possible. Yeah. So that's what you're seeing right now. Like everything gets backloaded as to listen, it's of the official capacity of the presidency. You cannot indict him while in office. So that's why they took the Mueller report where there were 10 Loctite obstruction of justice yeah. charges and he basically came out and summarized it as well nothing happened because he didn't get charged it's like yeah. well he didn't get charged because you said that this past president had to take place like god forbid you know if he uh if he loses this election he's going to be a flight risk because he's going to be seeing lawsuits and being charged oh, with gone. actual crimes very soon even after um, like so in the in the in the in the landscape or in the reality of if this man is to f- somehow find a way to get himself reelected, even at the end of his eight years, there are so many f- state lawsuits waiting for him on. The oh way yeah, out. the people the, are waiting at the. The gates Southern of the District of New York is just salivating at the mouth 
waiting for this man to step out of office. Did you hear about what happened with the uh, rape allegation from the author? Yeah, that's um, isn't that another one that's that's stuck in New York right now, just waiting for him to come out. Well, so that one actually got another tar- touch of the Bill Barr magic this last <laughs> week because he decided to take it over from Trump's personal attorney. Yeah, and then say that you know the statements that he made were while he was acting as president. So therefore, he cannot be charged for anything for that as well. And that might actually quash the entire thing. uh, The Founding Fathers would have ordered so many knives from QVC if they could have seen what what this man is doing to our Constitution and how he's abused. The Attorney General was never meant to be used in that capacity. Ever. It really is. It's amazing because if you look at the nice uh, portrait gallery or whenever you look at the line of presidents in like an elementary school and you see them along the top of the chalkboard in the history classroom it's going to look like all these white hairs and then a couple of beardies and then sideburnsy and then you know fucking weird ass you know I don't know Eisenhower looking dude and then you have a black guy and then Krusty the Clown and that's like gonna be it and then I don't know if we're gonna have any history after and then it's oh and then just America's done and then it just (laughs) ends you could see how that would happen you know we elected a clown that's you that's so like looking up at that looking I remember looking up at that at school all the time like never in a million years you'd be like wow the guy from Apprentice is gonna be up there someday no, that has to be like someone put themselves in time man of the year, uh, you know, are you a Lebowski achiever type frame <laughs> yes. and just stuck it on the wall. That can't what be a real. Reference. Oh, I mean, it's always frustrating. Um, it's, and there's so much, like, every, I mean, just even this guy shoots himself in the foot constantly. I mean, so you were talking about the Atlantic article. Um, you know, early in the day, if you watch Fox News early in the day, you know, maybe you did get this idea that he was an asshole to the troops and, you know, he doesn't actually care about you and he's a real asshole. But then at nine o'clock, you know, you fucking put on Uncle Tucker and all of a sudden you're like, it's someone else's fault. Yeah, it's so, oh, he didn't do it. Oh, you know, that's not what he They're just trying to. And it's Lindsey Graham's fault because he set up the interviews. It's like, wait a second. I thought this man puts on his own pants, or at least that's what he tells everybody. So he can't agree himself to an interview. He needs tiny Lindsey Graham to hold his hand. So um, a business insider uh, put in there to about, I guess Trump was saying to Woodward, Lindsey Graham and Mick Mulvaney were pleading with him. Remember, remember when how the year started off? Um, the Pope slapped some lady on the hand, and then like the next day, Trump just starts you know dropping drone strikes on generals. <laughs> like just could that like day one we were like Pope slap somebody. What's what? How much crazier can this year get? And then it got crazier. Um, Best thing is like I don't know like Lindsey Graham for some reason is like becoming this scapegoat. Even like in Trump's mind, he's just like yeah, you know Lindsey Graham tried to tell me not to do this, and which is kind of hilarious because that man is like the biggest warmonger to ever live. Like he just wants constant war and wants us to be destroying the Middle East. And, and the he, biggest sycophant that we've seen in quite some time. Oh, they're all assholes. They're all just they're enablers. They're enablers who are letting this man run amok through the country. He And through the traditions that they supposedly hold so dear. Oh yeah, he's destroying it. I mean, we there is gonna have to be such a dramatic change in the structure of our government when he's finally out of office. Um, I I don't know if you saw Eric Solwell was talking about creating a presidential crimes committee where they would um, where they would be able the house would then be given the power to have something beyond impeachment essentially and be able to investigate not just the president but enablers so senators right um, house representatives um, AGs uh, political groups all of that stuff because those things kind of got left out in impeachment because our founding fathers were like, oh, hey, so if one side breaks down, the hope is the other sides will be virtuous. 
because right. they yeah. were so they were there's optimists. There's no such thing as an you know an independent judiciary anymore. No, and there certainly isn't any um, you know congressional oversight and uh, responsibility being taken. No, especially we don't, when I, the party in power is the one that's being scrutinized. The problem isn't just Trump. Trump is not. Trump is not the problem. He is a product of the problem. Oh, for sure. A guy like Trump was inevitable. We are lucky. We are so lucky he is as dumb as he is. Because if yeah. we had a smart person in there who knew to keep his fucking mouth shut, to not tweet every goddamn thought he had in his head. To yeah, not just s- do all the evil underground. If we had Dick Cheney, if we had... Uh, if, if we had Mike Pompeo, if we had Tucker Carlson. Seriously, people who Any of these get guys. It. They this, would really, really be just like laying to waste everything, you know, behind closed doors. And you, it would take all the possible investigative powers and leaks possible mm-hmm. just to bring this shit to light mm-hmm. and not be doing it in broad daylight like Trump likes to do so well. Seriously, they would know. They would know not to say, you know, John McCain was a loser for getting caught. You know, they would they would know not to tweet out, hey, I, I like my war heroes uh, not captured. Like Whole. I like it, them whole. I like them whole. Yeah, like, I, I just, any reasonable, any reasonable person would understand that that's, like, going to cause a severe problem. But for some reason, this dude didn't. And, and maybe, maybe that is the good to come out of this, that this idea that... Um, there was a lot of shit happening leading up to this moment. Um, the power of the executive is stronger now than it had ever been. It's something, it's a power that had been growing unchecked since World War One, I. I mean, since the Civil War, honestly. And, and, you know, as much as you, as much as we agree um, with the virtue behind the idea of, of Abraham Lincoln suspending habeas corpus, that's, that is a severe overstep of executive power. Totally, but, totally. And it will be, you know, forever in the history books as a, an abuse of power that just happened to be on the side of righteousness. And that's the thing. We always expected, and I, and I think that's why we we, you know, Maybe that's why they didn't check it at first, and then I think it got a little bit more malicious as the years went on. Um, Is you thought that that someone was going to be in there acting in good faith? It was always going to be done with the with with the country as the initial intent. The country was supposed to be who they were doing it for, not themselves. Right. So you mean to tell me that Abraham Lincoln didn't start his reelection campaign the minute that he got back into office? You know, like that's, that. Like, see, that's a funny thing. Abraham Lincoln was a wrestler, you know, in his younger days. So the idea that he wasn't, you know, coming out there just cutting promos and shit on uh, on on Jefferson Davis is just the craziest thing. <laughs> I just don't understand why he wasn't threatening violence on them physically after the war was over. It's just that's so crazy for me to think about. Oh man, uh, the angels of our better nature, or whatever the fuck. And it's dumb, but that's the thing, and that's the hard thing is you. We expected all these things to be done in good faith and and with the intention of the country, you know, and it didn't happen. And then fast forward to today, and we have just this fucking horrible cancer that got way out of hand, just wreaking havoc on the country. And yes, I and think we're past chemo right now. We are, but like, you know, we cannot cut off the limbs because like mm-hmm. I like to say, it's um it's one thing for the Trump supporters to think that they can raise up and have a second civil war even though that God. better never happen. Anybody who wants that is out of their fucking mind. But my point is is that one side of America understands that we will have to live with one another and the mm-hmm. other side thinks that they could just vanquish everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not going to be able to cut out all these morons from society because they will still be living yeah, next to you always once Donald Trump there. loses. Yeah. You just have to make sure that that type of behavior and those types of thoughts aren't normalized yeah. to the highest level of office in the yeah. country. So that's, I mean, 
Unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to leave it for today. I yeah. know we have so much more no, to talk about. No, that was awesome. About. I'm so happy we got to have this discussion, dude. I've been wanting to come on here for a while and talk politics. Absolutely. I love and this You stuff. are welcome back anytime. This was freaking delightful. Right on, my dude. Thank you for having me. No problem. You know, stay safe, and uh, hopefully we'll see you before too long. I will. I'm going to go finish this pack of Black and Mild. This was, this was good. I got through like three of them. Oh, man. All right. Make sure you gargle before you go to bed. That shit's gross. <laughs> okay, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Peace. All right. Later. All right, and joining me for the third segment here on today's podcast is going to be a little bit of an NFL preview. I have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tony Andrewsy. Oh, boy, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, everybody in podcast land? Doing good. <laughs> what's good down in Orlando? Oh, Orlando, beautiful weather, um, really hot and humid, like 100 degrees. But, hey, it could be worse. But uh, Orlando's pretty pretty beautiful around this time of the year so it's good i guess first start out by like asking how many uh how many of the people around there i know it's kind of a transient area but how many of the people there are tampa bay bucks fans um you know my office is about split 50 50 i mean there's a lot of uh tampa bay fans i think all three nfl teams in florida are well represented in central florida here in orlando um so really? even I, Jacksonville gets some pull. Yeah, even Jacksonville gets some love down here. So I would say about a third. And I'm wondering, like, are people really hype about seeing Tom Brady come to the state, the Sunshine State? Oh, oh my gosh, yeah, the hype was the hype was real from the get go. I mean, him coming down and then Gronk, you know, people predicting Super Bowl this, Super Bowl that. Well, yeah, because they already had a bunch of weapons on offense, and then they really did ramp it up. But, you know, if Brady's a bust and he's an old, rickety man, there's nothing that's going to be able to protect him, no matter how many people he's got. Yeah, that's true. But And then also they got the uh, Arians down here, too, as their coach. So, I mean, it looked like they had all the pieces together oh, yeah. for, a, for a decent team. Um, so, so, yeah. so the hype was... The, yeah, the hype was real, but uh, I guess we're about to see how it plays out. All right, so full disclosure, we are recording this at like 7 o'clock Eastern time, so we've gotten a chance to see all the early games, and um, unfortunately there is no way in hell I can pretend that the Browns did not get their asses handed to them by the Ravens earlier today, <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> I don't know if you, got, if you got a chance to see that slaughter, but it was awful. No, I did not. But you know, they. But look at their opponent, though. I mean, the Ravens are are, are a top, you know, top five team in the NFL. I mean, they're they're a team to be reckoned with. So I mean, that's a tough team to start your season off with. So they are a well-oiled machine, and they are a rival. And we do have a brand new coaching staff. But you know, the players on the field for the Browns have been together since last year, and I would think that they would have tried to atone for their shit show a little bit better than they did, you know, they really laid an egg on, on week one. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the season is a long season. If the season was one game, you know, I'd say you guys were screwed, but hey, it's 16 games, <laughs> so they got they got plenty of time to rebound. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, like, and I can only just hope that the Steelers are shitty this week, this year as well. I, 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 mean, I could not agree more with that. <laughs> Uh, you got Ben Roethlisberger coming back, I think, from, like, an injury. And um, he's old as hell, too, so we'll see how he does, you know. But he's up there. Yeah, word around the campfire is he's looking really rejuvenated, though. Um, he's, he's looking like a, a young buck out there running around, so we'll have to see. But, yeah, hopefully they aren't as good as usual. <laughs> no, I know, dude. That's what I heard. I heard he is looking good. That's scary because I thought we were going to at least be able to make a run for – a wild card, but we might get shoved down to the bottom of the division with your uh, lowly Bengals here. <laughs> 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 but hey, guess what? We get to see you guys next Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Get to see Joey Burrow on national TV. It should be fun. 
Right, I was going to say, because you don't get to really watch the Bengals on, on national TV down in Florida. you got to have the special package for that one. So, I mean, are they are they looking like they're going to be anything this year? Like, what do they got going? Uh, I mean, they 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 got the number one pick. <laughs> Did I mention that? Um, they got uh, I don't know. They got a couple people coming back from last year. Um, still the the coach is uh, right. still finding his his feet underneath him as far as uh being a head coach. I think he's still finding what system he wants to run and everything like that. So um, I I don't know. I, in the hands of Joe Burrow is what you're saying. Pretty much, yeah. The whole <laughs> franchise, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it was really cool that he came out and said that I would love to go somewhere here in southern Ohio, you know, where he's from, and, and eschew the big city lights and whatever and try to help the franchise. But it's going to be an uphill slog, no doubt about it. Yeah, but I think if there's someone up for the challenge, I think it's uh, good old Joey B., yeah, yeah, he seems like a gamer and a baller. I mean, he's, that, that guy's season last year in college was just unbelievable. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the defense is still uh, probably ranked dead last as it was last year. They haven't made many improvements to it. They did no big free agent signings. I don't think in the draft they didn't draft defense till like, the fifth round. So I do not know what's going on there. So we'll have to see. For sure. Um <laughs> All right, so what do you think is going to go down with the uh, the Brady and Cam Newton switcheroo there? Like, who do you think is going to have a better year, Cam with the Patriots or Brady with the Bucks? Man, that's a good question. You know, I I kind of cheated on this because we've seen the earlier game. You know, you put the timestamp on here, so uh, um, I did see Cam play a little bit, and he didn't look that bad. Uh, the Patriots and everything. And I'm watching Brady right now, and I don't know. I think Cam might come up. Uh, as the big winner on the trade, I think. Right. I mean, now, I mean, obviously this is week one, and we can always jump to conclusions after that, especially when there was minimal training camp and no preseason. But, like, right. um, you know, Brady is getting his ass handed to him as we speak, well, like, by the Saints, like, doubling up on him. But there again, mm-hmm. that is another well-oiled machine that a brand-new squad is running into. So, yeah, and I'm – yeah, and I mean the you know Belichick, he's he's almost operates like insert quarterback. I mean, I think he could get any third string quarterback and put in, and I think he can have a pretty competitive team. So I think by adding Cam, it's it adds another dimension to the team. So I think the Patriots will be all right. Yeah, and it's real surprising. But I was listening to an Edelman interview after the game, and he was talking about how it felt like he was back in college or junior college even, but he was like, man, I haven't had this much fun while we were just going out trying to make shit happen back at Kent State. Like, it sounded like they just rolled the ball out, and they were like, all right, let's let's get some trickeration, let's run the ball, let's find whoever the hell is open and make it happen. Yeah, so, I did forget Edelman went to Kent State. I think he was a quarterback there, too. Like He, he was, was a quarterback, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good memories, yeah. I mean, like, so it sounds like they will make it work by hook or by crook, and uh, I think a little bit more is dependent on straight-up regular quarterback play in Brady's case where, you know, like you're saying, uh, Belichick can make fucking lemonade out of decomposed lemons, it seems. (laughs) I think this will be the year we will finally see whether or not Brady is washed for real or not. Yeah. If you can't I, yeah, make it happen without Belichick and he starts crumbling in a heap in the backfield quite often, I think he might finally ride off into the sunset. But, um, but you know, Tom might turn it around. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. He's got Gronk there. He's got some good receivers there. I mean, I don't know how their O-line is. I don't know how their defense is. But, um, you know, Tom can definitely play the position quite well. So I think he'll be all right down there in Tampa. Word. Well, speaking of being all right at the position, did you get a chance to see Mr. Mahomey on opening night? Yeah, I admit I didn't watch the full game, um, but I did. I did see um, a couple uh, drives he had, and yeah, he looked nice, very nice. I mean, especially you know compared to Deshaun, it's like um, I don't know. I, I you know I just don't see the the Titans or. Uh, 
the Texans as ever really ascending to their full potential. But um, yeah. I, I certainly see Mahomes as maybe being able to repeat and make them repeat Super Bowl champions, which is damn near impossible. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I I saw I saw enough of Mahomes to to say that for sure. Um, but the Texans, yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, they're 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 a quality team. Um, but you know, just I think it's a testament to the Chiefs on how how well they beat them that they're that they might repeat. They do, and they retool. They have a thousand weapons, and they come at you from every angle. It's it's really impressive to watch and scary if you're an opponent, that's for sure. Yep. Well, anything else you're looking forward to this year besides, you know, making sure that we don't just lose the entire season to a coronavirus outbreak? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's kind of on the players. I mean, they got to take a lot of the responsibility, too, which I think they are, you know, staying out of uh, big crowded areas and stuff like that. Um so it's going to be interesting to see if we can, you know, play out the full season, which I think we will. I'm being incredibly optimistic, but I think they're going to make it happen. But I also want to see um, them letting some fans back in. I mean, I, I think some stadiums are, are letting like a third of the capacity back in or something like that. But when you watch it on on TV, it's it's not the same football. So I want to see like the fans kind of uh, get back readmitted back into the stadium that should make it make it a little bit more appealing to watch on tv but yeah, I, mean, um, I, I totally agree like it's, it's a personal responsibility thing and like it was a uh definite you know comparison and visuals when you got to see the chiefs on thursday night with fans in their stands kind of make it feel like a home field advantage and then yeah. watching browns versus ravens today where there's no one in the stands and it was just weird yeah, and the and the crowd noise that they pump in, I mean, e for effort, but that just, that just doesn't do it. I mean, you got to have the real fans there, and even just some fans there, like you just alluded to, they can make some noise too. You know, just some. Like you don't have to have a full stadium, so no, something's I mean, better than nothing. You pass out boo-boo-zalas or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> World Cup style, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> most annoying noisemaker on the planet, but they you add up, you know. Yeah, it's better than silence, but um, yeah, man. I mean, that's that's really what I'm looking forward to. But I'm just I'm just really thankful, honestly, that we have sports back in America. You know, I mean, I can't ask for too much right now. I'm just I'm happy that we can watch uh, the uh, America's pastime football. I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, thank you very much for uh, calling into the show and making it happen. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. It was good talking to you. Keep it strong down there in Orlando, my friend. All right. Thanks, man. You too. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Until we talk again, I hope you're out there keeping it mild. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Five stars, of course. And thanks always to Ryan Little for our outstanding theme music. I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>